This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Brown's Film Breakdown, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, your go-to source for all your gambling needs. We are back, end of the week edition here on Brown's Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer over at the OBR. Excited to join you as we approach the weekend, talk about where the Browns are currently, where their staff is sitting, um, the hiring of an important front office figure, tons of things going on. And uh, I'm excited to get to all of that with our guest as well. So we'll start with the coaching staff. The Browns obviously hired three, um, you know, important parts of this coaching staff as they're sort of filling things out. We talked about last week uh, the hiring of Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator. They filled some more spots. They brought in Chris Kiffin. Obviously, the Kiffin name is very well known across the NFL and college football ranks. Um, through Lane and uh, his new hiring as the Ole Miss head coach and Monty Kiffin and his uh, tremendous exploits as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Chris comes over from San Francisco uh, to join Joe Wood's defensive staff, and uh, I think it's obviously a good fit for Chris and for Joe, and it makes sense. He was a big part of that defensive line. Um, you, You know, he was an active part of things as their pass rush specialist, and if you watch the 49ers this year, which you probably did when the Browns played them and then through their playoff run, they uh, certainly got after the quarterback like few others in the league this year. A lot of that is talent-based, but a good uh, good coaching. Uh, you know, anytime there's quality play on the field, there's typically some, some pretty quality coaching that goes on behind it as well. So Kiffin is hired to work with the defensive line, be the defensive line coach, and uh, excited to see how that plays out. Um, Scott Peters comes in as the offensive line coach assistant. He'll work closely with Bill Callahan. Peters has extensive playing experience, seven years as a center and guard in the NFL, uh, has a jujitsu sort of background that I think is going to be interesting to see how he deals with hand placement. Callahan has mentioned specifically, and uh, Kevin Stefanski as well has mentioned sort of his outside-the-box thinking, which should be fun to see how it works and coincides with Callahan's ability to uh, you know teach those principles that date back all those years, so that will be one that is interesting to pay attention to. And then the last one is uh, quarterback coach 
TC McCartney, which I think is a completely um, unexpected hire, I would say. But unexpected does not mean bad, and I think McCartney has a lot of interesting things in his his resume. He started with the Browns in 2014 as an offensive assistant um, in Kyle Shanahan's staff. Spent time with Kyle going to San Francisco, spent a little time at LSU. He did get a break as a position coach, as a quarterback coach of the Broncos last year, and I thought they got the most out of um, some depleted quarterback situations there with Joe Flacco. Obviously, um, you know, Brandon Allen ran you know, through Cleveland. We saw that uh, pretty well-performed game despite minimal talent there. And then they got some good things out of Drew Locke at the end of the year too. So his, uh, his background is, is not a deep quarterback coaching background, but that's what Alex Van Pelt will be focusing on a lot with Baker Mayfield. And uh, McCartney brings in a pretty good, pretty good amount of experience for a young head coach. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski said TC's a great young coach, an amazing story. I think he's seen a lot for a young man in the NFL. I think his knowledge of the offensive game is something we really look forward to adding to the group. And McCartney has specifically mentioned uh, that he, uh, you know, how much he learned from Kyle Shanahan and how much he was able to absorb and take into his teaching and approach and all of that. So, you know, the focus will be between Van Pelt and McCartney on, on, on forming Baker Mayfield and, um, you know, getting the most out of him. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski will probably still be calling plays. I would be surprised at this point if he is not the guy calling plays at the end of the day. And um, that's okay. I think they have enough minds who are sort of cohesively thinking, which is the antithesis of last year's situation, in my opinion, you know, minds that were, I think, sort of pulling themselves in different directions. I feel like this group should, I, I don't make promises on this stuff because uh, I've done it before, or at least I felt like I've given you false promises. Maybe I didn't specifically say I promise, but I'm saying this group looks like it could be trending to, uh, you know, have a cohesion and have an understanding of what they're looking for on game days and, you know, sort of being able to set egos aside, which I think is uh, you know, wildly important when you're when you're trying to structure an offense and structure, you know, a cohesive unit in the NFL. I think it's it's really challenging if you have guys with different ideas and trying to, you know, sort of back back in their their ideas and make themselves seem like the smartest man in the room. All that stuff happens, and, and negative things tend to happen. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I like those three hires. I really like where the defensive staff is going in general. I like, obviously, uh, you know, keep, keeping on. Uh, Mike Prefer, I think they did they, they they did right there in that situation with the way their special teams was playing. Still, some things to clean up on special teams, but for the most part, a pretty good decision to keep him around, in my opinion. So, um, the staff is shaping up. I'm sure there'll be some odds and ends that come in, some different sort of quality control coaches, things like that. But for the most part, the staff has been put together. There are a lot of names to really like here. Hopefully, uh, Stefanski at the top of the totem pole is the guy to uh, you know sort of direct this group. Uh, you know, keep his coaches in line and, um, you know, be, be the coaching staff that's here for the foreseeable future. And I'm excited to see where it goes. So um, that's sort of it on the coaching staff side of things. Uh, a couple other little news and notes. Baker Mayfield again in the news. Um, it seems like this week with the um, <laughs> the young girl, I, I hate even addressing it, but the young girl says that, the, you know, there were things that happened. I don't know. You know, this stuff is is uh, it's tough to track. You check social media. Seems like Baker and his wife are fine. I would imagine there would be a pretty big rift that would go on there uh, between the two of them if there was this sort of infidelity happening pretty consistently, like some of these reports are saying, or like the radio interview, which I just couldn't believe they gave a radio interview to that young lady. Seems crazy to me. Um, it's no reason, to, you know, Mayfield's not going to address it. Emily's not going to address it. It doesn't seem like they want to address it, nor should they have to. It's their personal and private lives. I just know that we could use some some positive vibes around Baker Mayfield 
Uh, not to say that I'm not claiming he's guilty here, any stretch of the imagination, but um, some positivity about this young man would be really good <laughs> is, is certainly lacking. It felt like there was some positivity during Super Bowl week, but then the um, Barstool Radio, or sorry, Barstool Podcast comes out and people are kind of claiming that he, using Rex Ryan jokes that other people were saying. I, I don't know. I, I felt encouraged by what he was saying on the radio row and, and all of those different uh, media spots he did. Some people think he was taking a joke and trying to run with that joke. I, I don't know. I, I, I felt like there was a little bit of humble nature going on there, and I hope I would hope a young man who went through the year he went through last year would would be humbled and be able to, to process that he needs to sort of uh, put his best foot forward, keep his mouth shut, and keep working. does seem like there's quite a bit of work going on, um, but, it, you know, it, all I'm saying is I need, I need Mayfield to be trending up. I need him to be uh, somebody seen in a positive light, um, you know, seen doing the right things in the off season. It's been up and down. Kind of tired of hearing about him. I'd like him to go away for a few months um, and just work. And uh, hopefully, hopefully things can, uh, can 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 trend back to normal with him, and he can get back on track this year. Because you, know, you don't want to go through the circus of this whole thing and finding a quarterback again. And and uh, you just want to see maturity and positive stories coming out of the Browns quarterback room. Uh, with Baker and, and hopefully we can we can continue to see more of that. It's a, such a crucial and we're going to get into this with our guest. It's just it's such a crucial year for him. Um, bigger than I think people realize this year three uh, going into year four and sort of how the franchise feels about him. So keep a close eye on that. Miles Garrett reinstated which is awesome to see. I, I kind of had mentioned way back when it happened and the, and the suspension came out the day after that. Uh, the, the helmet swing there on I think it was Thursday night football. It might have been Sunday night football. Who knows? I think it was Thursday night football. The suspension was swift. I had said at the time it felt like they were trying to suspend Miles for the year. The indefinite part of it was if the Browns somehow made the playoffs, which at that time was a real possibility that they would make the playoffs. felt like a formality to me that they wanted to threaten to keep him out of the playoffs in case the Browns made it and that they were going to reinstate him as quick as the year ended. I thought it might take the new calendar year to, to reinstate him, but um, it just sort of confirms to me that it was a formality. He was never going to be suspended for more than just a season. And um, But, again, if the Browns had somehow made the playoffs, they would have been without him. That's uh, That seems like that's a trend the NFL was going to say is um, the indefinite tag is just to make sure that, that, that we can keep him out of the playoffs if, if Cleveland gets there. But, nonetheless, good to see him back. Uh, did, a, did an interview with Mina Kimes. He, again, claims – um, and at this point, he has no reason to lie. He could just go off and fade into the distance with this stuff. But he again claims that the N-word was used. Um, the NFL is never going to release audio of this. It's never going to come out whether Miles telling the truth or not. He just seems like one of the most trustworthy people I've ever seen in, in, in sports. And, um, you know, that's just total conjecture on my part. I don't know Miles very well at all. I've only interviewed him a couple times, asked a couple questions to him. But just judging a book by the cover, which is dangerous enough, but... He seems like a really honest guy, so you know if he's if he's being dishonest about this now, so many months removed and into the off season, and when he's back in the end, you know, reinstated in the league, it'd be really strange to keep that going. I do think he heard something or thought he heard something, and it provoked it. I don't think he's that kind of crazy um, person that was being portrayed after the at the helmet swing. I think he was truly set off by something he was offended by, and. Um, you know, hopefully now that he's said his piece with it in, in the interview with Mina, he can move on, he can get better, he can focus on what should be a big year for him uh, as, a, as an anchor of this Browns defense and, and, you know, sort of work forward into hopefully signing him long term, uh, making all of that happen. But as sort of the roundup of Browns news, we have not had, um, you know, much else. It's just, it's, it seems as though we can't go a week without something 
interesting happening. Hopefully we can sort of shift our eyes forward to 2020. The combine is not far away. We will continue to talk draft content. I wanted to bring in somebody different today, somebody who was up in Cleveland all year and got an interesting perspective in their first year. We're going to bring in Jake Trotter from ESPN, who I think is uh, an extremely interesting um, extremely interesting interview. We'll get to that just here in a minute. But before we do so, I want to talk to you guys about Untuck It. You've heard me talk about them before. Truly believe in them and, uh, and what they provide for uh, men's fashion. You know, typically you're going to see those untucked uh, button-down shirts that are far too long. They look ridiculous. They look worn at the bottom. That's not the goal of Untuck It. They're here to give you the original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your shape or size, Untuck It shirts always fall to the perfect length. 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, any type of body type, and any type of man of all ages. So Untuck It is going to give you um, you know, that wrinkle-free design, super soft flannels, outdoor wear. They got all the different styles. They got shirts that never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big, and that's what you should be aiming to avoid. So if you need a last-minute Valentine's Day gift or any kind of gift for your uh, significant other, or you're just shopping for yourself, or you're shopping for your dad or grandpa or anybody, Untuck It's the way to go. Go to untuckit.com. Use the promo code BLUE, 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-K-I-T.com, untuckit.com. Use the promo code BLUE for 20% off. So it's time to get over to the betonline.ag hotline interview of the week. Betonline.ag is your online sports book expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BLUEWIRE, for a 50% off welcome bonus. Big believers in betonline.ag. Get there. They're proud sponsors of Browns Film Breakdown. Get over there. Get on betonline.ag. Make some money. Let's get over to Jake Trotter on the betonline.ag hotline interview of the week. Okay, joining me is Jake Trotter. You guys know him. He covers the Browns for ESPN. Finally came into uh, the role last year up here in Cleveland. I spent a good amount of time covering the Browns last year um, up at camp live. I'm not sure if I can make it up there again this year, but we're going to try. Jake was new at the time. He'd come over from covering the entire Big 12. Um, Did a fantastic job there. Did a fantastic job this year. But what's interesting to me um, is is kind of Jake's perspective on his first year in Cleveland. First off, Jake, how you doing, buddy? Good to talk to you, Jake. What's going on? Not much, not much. New Year, same Browns, right? I, I'm interested in your take, man. I know the time we were talking up there in Berea, and it was, it was. Uh, I was thinking to myself, maybe maybe Jake gets to come in and cover this team when things, the dysfunction, the Cleveland dysfunction is disappearing. And then um, this year happened, which may have been a top five dysfunction here of, of Cleveland, recent Cleveland memory. So I'm curious, man, you, you've done this for a year now. You've been up there where you think, you know, maybe the, the off season comes around and the news cycle with the Browns stops, but it never stops. So just sort of what is your reaction to your first year up around the Cleveland Browns franchise? Well, first of all, people like you say top five, and I don't know how it would not be number one. I mean, I just can't imagine – another season in any franchise's history being more bizarre than this one was. And I mean, going back to training camp, you know, I just moved up to Cleveland and, you know, had some sense of the, the, you know, constant upheaval and turnover and dysfunction. But 
I looked at the team, you know, you, you saw what Baker did as a rookie, you know, they had Odell, um, you know, they had some other pieces and it was hard to, to see a scenario in which this team didn't make the playoffs. Right. I mean, the, the offensive capability with, with the receivers, the quarterback and the Nick Chubb, I just, I just thought by default, they would go eight and eight. That was like the, 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 the absolute floor. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't so much that they went six and 10, Jake. It was just the way in which they did where when you talk to people inside the building and, and they're like every week, it was something new. Like, and we knew it was going to be something in a particular week. We just didn't know what it was going to be. We knew it was going to be strange and bizarre and potentially debilitating and, and whatever. So, I mean, I didn't expect any of that coming into my first season covering the team. I just thought they were going to be, really good and really interesting. They were interesting, um, but they were not really good. And so, you know, once again, they, they cleaned house and it was just hard to see like such a nightmare scenario turning out the way that it did, you know, going back to the scene you set in training camp. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, um, it, it, it went worse than even I imagined it could have. And I imagine, um, I had some pretty, some pretty medium to average expectations. I remember plenty of times talking with you about it and talking with Doug Lemarie's about it, and um, it it went worse. I I was particularly curious and just sort of, you know, somebody who who spends a lot of time around successful programs, obviously like you did in covering the Big Twelve, and just sort of what the Browns look like to somebody, um, you know, you know who comes in who doesn't just doesn't know some of the bizarre history that's happened years before, you know, years before this last year. And they, they, you're right, though. They may have taken it to a number one level of dysfunction. I think you can hear uh, a really good argument for that. So it's, it's, it's just it never stops with these guys. And maybe, maybe they figure it out, maybe they don't. And that's where I'm kind of curious with, you know, what your perception is of this, this, this hiring process has been. You know, do you, from, from interviewing, being close to Paul Podesta to being close to, you know, what Jimmy Haslam's saying, do you think that they have settled on the right structure here with, with Stefanski and Barry? And, and um, are you, you know, you know, I know you're not obviously a fan here, but are you sort of optimistic that the feeling is that they have something that is sustainable here? Well, I don't know if they're on the right page or not, but at least they're on the same page from ownership to, uh, Deep Podesta to, to Andrew Berry, to Stefanski, to the staff, like everybody appears to be on the same page, which was not the case last year. And really has seldom been the case for the Browns. I think really going back to when they returned to the league in, in 1999, um, you know, last year it, it was very strange because you had, you know, the scouting front office with Dorsey and then you had the analytics wing uh, headed by uh, De Podesta, and it was like they were independent entities almost. And and then you had, you know, you had some infighting on the coaching staff. Um, you had all kinds of chemistry issues in the locker room that, that manifested into some of the sideshows that we saw, uh, you know, especially, you know, middle on uh, to late in the season. So I, I like, I don't know you know, I don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, it, I, I, I've been impressed with Stefanski. You talk to people around the league. Uh, they're pretty bullish on, you know, him 
coming in and, and turning this around. But, you know, I think everybody was bullish about Freddie off the way the team finished in, in 2018. So uh, I, at least at the very least at this point, you know, they're all on the same page, which I think is a good step because, you know, in, in, in Jimmy Haslam used this phrase, you know, we're not going to have any more arranged marriages. I mean, and, and that's why, you know, they hired the coach first. They let the, the, the coach have a say in who the, you know, GM was going to be. And, you know, they're all going to be on the same page and, you know, bringing in people from now on. So uh, at least that is, you know, in the words of Haslam, they have alignment now. But, you know, they have they have a lot of, of work to do to, to get back to being a team we think can make the playoffs, despite the fact Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious in your opinion, you know, during the year, you know, I, I think that we noticed as the season wore on and things got more challenging for this group that that um, you know, Baker became a little bit more testy with the media. He had the incident there with with Tony and some of those things. You could just see some chippier stuff um from everybody. And that's, you know, sometimes it's just a typical byproduct of losing and dysfunction comes from losing but was there a growing sense that freddie just hadn't figured this whole thing out and that freddie was a big part of the problem as the year wore on or is it or was it a mystery and and we didn't know I, i'm just sort of curious if if um you know the the day-to-day -day around the uh, the franchise at the time up there if if you could just tell that freddie couldn't figure this whole thing out or if that was something that we seem to have just sort of figured out at the end of the year yeah, I mean, I don't think it was something that just appeared at the end of the year. And, I mean, you, you, you saw them, you know, play every week. Um, and, and you had a guy, uh, you know, was very likable, had a lot of success in 2018, but at the same time had never been a head coach before and had never been a play caller before, at least before he was promoted to interim uh, down the stretch in, in 2018. So that's a lot to put on somebody's plate. And even Freddie admitted he was learning on the fly. But, I mean, I just think the – it didn't seem like there was much rhyme or reason to anything that was being done offensively. And, you know, they were, they were pretty good when they had things scripted. You know, they, they were one of the best teams in the NFL scoring on opening drives, right? I mean, think about how many games that they, you know, really set a good tone and then completely would fall apart, you know, going forward and – that's because they weren't operating off a script. Yeah. And, you know, th th that, I think that was pretty evident, um, you know, throughout the season, not just down the stretch when, when really the team cratered um, across the board. But, um, you know, I, I don't put, I don't put all of this on, on Freddie. And I think, you know, as much could be on Dorsey and, and even ownership. Um, but we have guys that, you know, are getting suspended. We have starters that are getting suspended. We have you have starters that are getting waived, uh, you know, late in the year. It's just it's hard to overcome that. Um, and I think that, you know, it it became pretty evident to me that they just didn't have the kind of locker room that could police itself. And I think it was even more difficult when Baker wasn't playing well, because, you know, it's it's hard to be, especially when you're a young player. You know, it's hard to be the you know, the guy telling everybody to get it together when you're leading the NFL in interception. So I think the combination of those factor, factors led to the problems they had in the locker room, 
and then just the, the game planning and the play calling, um, there was just not much cohesiveness to it. And that's why this offense, you know, underachieved um, in addition to the problems they had on the offensive line all year. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. You know, you've, you've spent more time covering Baker than anybody, especially dating back to college. You, you know, you watched his rookie year from afar, but you sort of watched it as everybody else did in the mainstream. Do you do you have any fear, Jake, that this is this, this version we saw, this turnover-prone, um, you know, almost overwhelmed player? At times I thought he was just overwhelmed with things. Do you think that there is more um, – um, let me. How many think how to phrase this? Is 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 he more year one rookie year Baker, or do you think he's going to continue down a path of of struggling? If you had to guess, sort of where he goes years three, four, five to finish out his first contract in Cleveland, uh, do you see a, a sort of resurgence in this offense for him? Well, I think he could go either way. Um, I I do think that you know with Stefanski, there's going to be some noticeable differences. You know, I was talking to one scout who had scouted both teams last year, Minnesota and, and Cleveland, and, you know, said that one thing that they, they really liked about Stefanski for Baker is that when you look at the Vikings last season, there was always a receiver looking at the quarterback, always a pass catcher looking at the quarterback. So, you know, that safety valve is always going to be there. The easy throw is always going to be there. And it felt like last year, for the Browns, I mean, Baker would be dropping back and like nobody would be looking, you know, everybody was still running their route and, you know, they were trying to push the ball downfield at times, but um, you know, they didn't have the personnel to do it. And I don't know that that was necessarily Baker straight anyway. So, you know, getting the play action game going where for whatever reason, they just weren't very good at it last year. Um, you know, being more methodical and, and finding an identity offensively, uh, I think will help. But, I mean, you know, back to Baker, uh, I think this is a huge year for him and for the Browns because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can start to kind of pick away at that rookie season if you want to. Yeah, two of those games were, were, were against the Bengals. What's his record against playoff caliber teams? I mean, you know, you, you can start to pick away at the resume beyond uh, just what happened this past season. Now, um, you know, I, I, I still believe that Baker can be a franchise quarterback for Cleveland. I think I think ownership believes that. I think the the new people, you know, Stefanski and Barry believe that as well. Um, but I, I think it's got to happen this year because if we're in the same situation this time next year, you know, it could start to go south a little bit. And you know, I think a if he doesn't play better, you know, is Cleveland going to want to offer an extension, uh, a lucrative one, and then. You know, is Baker going to look at all the chaos that he's had to deal with in Cleveland? He's the fourth quarterback all time that's had four different head coaches his first three years in the league. And he's also going to have his third different play caller. So um, I think that, you know, there might be some question as to whether Baker would want to even be in Cleveland past his rookie contract. Uh, And that's when things start to, to get ugly. And that's when you're back at square one, which is, you know, where this franchise is trying to climb out of, it feel like it feels like it's you know, perpetuity. So um, you're asking me like what kind of player Baker is. Um, I, I tend to think he's more of the rookie Baker than the Baker we saw last year because of some of the things that were going on around him. Um, but we're about to find out, and 
this is, uh, to me, this is in a lot of ways a, a make-or-break type season for him. Yeah, I certainly think you're right about where this goes. You know, if they, I think that we'll be able to tell pretty quickly by who they bring in to, to play alongside him if they don't feel like they need to bring in somebody like a Case Keenum or Andy Dalton as a backup to sort of push him subliminally. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that it's his team in year three, but if it does tend to go down the direction year two went, I think, like you said, they will start to question whether this is in year four um, you know, worth something that they'll keep around past his rookie deal or his fifth-year option, and and um, it gets dicey. So, so needless to say, this is a wildly important year. Um, you know, with this with this quarterback and with this coaching staff and finding some continuity, and uh, you know, well put by yourself about some of the advantages I wrote about some of those advantages that this offense can have for him. So, I hope it does. Uh, lead them down a better offensive structure path uh, and some and some continuity. Last thing I'll leave you with here, and I'm curious your opinion. You know, before we go, is do you see any? I don't know if I would say unexpected is the right word, but it probably is. You know, I I don't think there's anybody that expects them to probably. I, I they could some like moving on from somebody like Olivier Vernon or Christian Kirksey. Some of those veterans say Kirksey say. TJ carries a little bit high priced. I think you would probably say, um, you know, like I said, Olivia Vernon and, and, and Kirksey in the first and second. Is there anybody that you think those guys included that they're going to move on from sort of surprising roster moves before they get into free agency? Just maybe somebody you don't see them or the fan base doesn't necessarily see them moving on from anything like that you think could happen surprising roster moves or even guys that you think it could be a multitude multiple guys that you think that they're going to move on from sort of as a head into reshaping this whole thing yeah it's tricky because you know if you'd asked me that question and it was the same people back i could have given you a much better answer um it's hard to know you know where andrew barry stands on some of these guys it's hard to know where stefanski is going to stand on on some of these guys and then you know, you have people like Odell, um, and I know they, you know, they, they've said they're not going to trade him, but um, you, you have Kareem Hunt, which is both kind of luxuries at positions. You already have number one caliber players there and, and Jarvis Landry and, and Nick Chubb. I mean, to me, you know, when you talk about Kirksey and Joe Schobert, you know, they already drafted their, their replacements, and, and I think there was a lot, lot to like about the way Mac Wilson played at times last year. Um, you know, I think Taki has a lot of potential uh, as well. So, and the thing you have to keep in mind is, yeah, yeah they're going to have some cap space, and, and they have the ability to, you know, to, to re-sign some of these guys or, you know, rework some deals or, or go out and get somebody. But the, the receipts are getting ready to come due for Miles Garrett, for Baker Mayfield, if it, you know things work out. Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, and, and so they, they're going to have to be cognizant of that of, of any of the moves they make in the short term uh, this offseason so you know in like like somebody like in joku you know would that be somebody they they would still shop um they definitely would have if if the coaching staff in the front office were back this year but i just i don't know yet how they feel about some of these guys and so i, I think it's gonna be interesting to see if they go in some different directions but uh, you know, like, you know, Damaris Randall, you know, Njoku, Higgins, uh, you know, it was hard to see, you know, Greg Robinson, it's hard to see a path forward for those guys if, you know, it was the same regime. But now that it's different, you wonder if, if 
if maybe some of them get a second look, uh, you know, with the, you know, a clean slate, you know, given that everybody that was around them last year is, is no longer around. Yeah, I think you're right. This is one of the bigger mystery see, you know, off seasons that they've had in, in quite some time, just because there's so many people that Andrew Barry still has to hire. There's so many different frames of mind about these guys. I think everyone's asking the question I'm asking, and I think everyone's giving the answer you're giving, which is, we don't know. And we will have to just sort of all pay attention and see if the plan, the plan formulates quicker than some of us think. But there are a lot of roster decisions to make. And, and those guys you're talking about, Jake, like, um, you know, Denzel and Baker and, and, and a couple others, you, you don't know. Because it's like, if those guys have a bad year, if Denzel has another beat-up year or something along those lines, is he is he somebody you sign long-term? A guy who goes into the fourth year of his rookie deal? I don't know. It's it's there's this is probably one of the biggest crossroads seasons, um, you know, that the Browns have had in in quite some time, and, and I feel like they're always kind of at a crossroads. But they've they've won more games. What they've won, I don't know, like fifteen games in the last two years, and we know there's talent there. When there hasn't been that in the last maybe decade, there hasn't been a, a situation where there's been fringe talent that could be long term players. So. Uh, it's a little different, and it's different going into an offseason with a bunch of guys that didn't draft them, but also have the seemingly have the ability to to spot talent and hopefully sign it long term if it does present itself. So I won't eat any more of your time. We're gonna jump back in maybe later towards camp when we have some clear answers. So if you're not following Jake, he's at Jake Trotter, Jake underscore Trotter on e, on Twitter. Um, his stuff's all over ESPN.com. He's fantastic at what he does. Jake, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, Jake. Big thanks once again to Jake Trotter for joining us on the betonline.ag hotline interview of the week. Couldn't thank him enough. He has great insight. Make sure you're following him. We appreciate all of you guys following us. Again, I cannot urge you strongly enough to get over to Blue Wire and the podcast, uh, however you get your podcasts. Check out all the great content of all the different teams across the league. You might be surprised about a team that you enjoy hearing about being in that list of uh, Blue Wire podcasts. So get there if you can. Giving us those five stars on uh, iTunes is a big deal to me. Leaving reviews if you appreciate listening. Even if you don't and you want to give us um, you know, a low rating. Tell me what we're doing wrong. I don't care. Whatever it is, I appreciate you listening. Truly appreciate you following Brown's Phone Breakdown. We will be back next week trying to gear toward free agency. And, um, uh, you know, as the as the combine comes, we're going to get into that too and look at the draft and the myriad of ways in which this team can improve going into 2020 with the resources they have at hand. So, again, thank you for joining us at Brown's Phone Breakdown. And as usual, guys, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.